0: fired up for the interview right here let's go
1: yes we do every single saturday on these airways. my name is kc steve the voice of your valley on Reset's new stock 107.3 fm 1480 am kyos that's for you maryland come on Schumer said we're gonna to rock today because we have a very special guest in studio we've had him well actually he was in here not that long ago we're talking about the mayor no not mike murphy no he's not the mayor anymore no we're talking about the new mayor of merced none other than matt Serrado. matthew serrato what's your your official name you know when you when you're up there representing say hello
0: Hello. Hey.
1: Good <laughs> to right. see you. He you too,
0: a, Casey. Always great to see you.
1: He only has a little bit of time, folks. I thought. I hope we could get a whole hour in. It's three fifteen-minute segments. We'll see where it goes. But the clock has started. We're we're off and running. Matt has been so gracious to come in. The uh, the bodyguards have cleared. There is an entourage outside looking through the window. He has a following. Very very popular mayor. Came off of a tremendous campaign run. I mean the votes. Woo, Chihuahua.
0: Do you remember the percentage? So we finished with, oh, I forget, the, it was well, about fifty-two and a half percent. Yeah, out of four, that's yeah. awesome. No, we did. We got benefited from a lot of help. Really had a lot of good people help me and a good campaign team, and um, some good advice early on. I tell you, uh, uh, in particular, one, you know, I don't know if you know uh, Jermaine Pastor, Coach Pastor, mm-hmm. from Swag. Early on, he's like, "Hey, man," he goes, "Just make it about loving on the community." And you did. That's what we did. And so at that moment, kind of lights. We were moving that direction anyway. And then he says, "And that was the best advice I got the entire time."
1: Well, you did a, you did a lot of loving on the community and a, and a unique uh, candidacy in the fact that COVID came, you couldn't get out there really mixed with the people. Luckily, people had known you because you were on the council for four years, mm-hmm. representing I believe District Five. Yes, and that has been taken over by Miss uh, Boyle, Sarah Boyle, Sarah Boyle, the linchpin. Never forget. Everybody asked me what the, what, is that? Oh, what is that? Oh, what is that? Oh, what is that? It's a linchpin,
0: and <laughs> we're thinking the same thing when I saw her signs. Obviously, because I live in her district, uh, yeah. we see the signs up, and at first we're looking at like what. what you know, finally, we. Uh, uh, Sarah made some comments about it, and so we saw uh, why she was doing that. But Sarah's been good, too. I actually had worked with her on an issue today, and, you know, we're excited to have her aboard as well. And I think she'll be a nice addition and an asset. Well, it's the amazing the well. council
1: over there. You know, three new members, yourself moving around. I mean, uh, almost yeah. a, a, a complete change over there. Yeah. But let me stick with my question Matthew Blank Serrato, What's the middle? Travers. Travers. Mine's Lynn, just, just so we're out uh, there. My uh, dad, uh, when well, I was that, after a relative or.
0: Yes, yeah, my mom's uh, uh, aunt. So my mom had a favorite aunt, so that was her maiden name. Cool, Sarah Travers.
1: Oh, well, that's nice. Now, so that's and nice. last name isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Yeah. And again, uh, got to give the age. I mean, are you are you still with the forty under forty crowd? No, I just hit forty in August. So. Oh man, so we're we're. I, t- I was six months. I was teasing Murphy. He, I think he's forty one, forty two, and I said, you know, they need to have a sixty under sixty, or you know, because <laughs> I need to be included in that, and I'm a little bit older than forty. So you six, just, sixty over sixty. You yeah, 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 or a hundred under a hundred. I don't know. The the best of <laughs> them are said, but you're
0: just now 40 years old. Yeah, I turned 40 in August, August 2nd.
1: Wow, and I would have to say maybe one of the
0: youngest mayors. Mike was younger for sure. Mike was... uh,
1: Oh, that's true when he started. Well, I'll tell you, you're going to have uh, 10% of your life added to your term because a four-year term this time, as you know, that was just two two years before if you were successful to get that second term, you walk right into 48 months. A lot to accomplish, a lot you want to do. Like you said, your campaign was exciting. It really was. You fed a lot of people. You got a lot of... A lot of uh, I think that is reflected in the vote you got, fifty three percent because there were some strong candidates. Yeah. And uh, again, if you remember the tagline S E R R A T T T O spell Serato. No, that wasn't you. You weren't the singing candidate. But
0: again, no, no, no one's to hear me sing. That'd be <laughs> would have been. no. It was. I mean, to be honest, we just um, again benefited from a lot of help and kind of that central theme of just benefiting the community and then trying to carry that into what we do now in office Mm -hmm. right and so we did like you said we probably gave away i mean a couple thousand Mm -hmm. Mm meals and just with covid it was interesting too i mean a lot of conversations with a lot of people and just how does covid affect campaigning and change campaigning Mm -hmm. and again with any campaign especially a local campaign you got you got to do everything Mm -hmm. and typically your field game your ground game knocking on doors meeting people face to face is the backbone of a local political campaign but we just couldn't you couldn't do it in this instance no um you know, typically it's it's the kind of activity that's high. It takes a lot of effort, right? Mm-hmm. You're out there a ton of time, a lot of effort. Um, probably 75% of the doors you're knocking on, people aren't even home. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're leaving a lot of cards at doors. And then now with COVID, you're gonna there's 25% of the people who are going to be home. A greater percentage aren't going to answer. And then the ones who do answer, a lot of them are really going to be turned off. Yeah. Um, and it's a, obviously a huge safety issue too. You know, in those circumstances. So well, we, had to, we had to change things up, and I'm just I'm proud of the way it came together. And-
1: you you did well. The mailers, I tell you, it was like a McDonald's monopoly game, folks. If you collected them all, a full size cutout of Matt Cerato, all of those uh, cardboard mailers, there was one at least every other day. But again, that's what it takes to run. It takes a lot of money. Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. But you have a really good insight because your normal job, your real job. You're in touch with this community on a daily basis, seeing the front line, seeing kind of the uglier underside in some cases because you work for the district attorney's office. Yes. You're over there, kitty corner, at the beautiful palatial old county bank building. Uh, Larry Morris used to come in once in a while when he was the DA. I haven't had much contact with the DA's okay. office since Larry's left. I think you worked under Larry for a while. I did, 12 years. 12 years. And, of course, he had the third floor the El Duce suite, we called it. And uh, uh, apropos, who knew? But uh, tell us a little bit about... What goes on over there at the district attorney's office? You had a, a high accolade where you were the DA of the year, I believe, very recently.
0: Yeah, twenty um, for the twenty seventeen year. Uh, so it was awarded in twenty eighteen. Um, oh yeah, I was awarded the state uh, small or medi- for small and medium sized county the state prosecutor of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, got, we got a lot of luck that year to do. We did a big wiretap case that uh, took probably 60, 70 gang members off the street. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of focused on the on the Sereno gangs. A lot, a lot of Atwater heavy because the serenos are strongest in Atwater. So uh, worked on that case. Uh, I think, God, if I try to remember now, probably three murder trials plus at least one attempted murder. So we did a, did a lot that year. So got just everything kind of came together and just had a lot of work. And Well, you saw
1: Merced uh, at, the, at its worst because 12 years, you know, we had the highest murder rate per capita in the state of the 58 counties, one of the highest.
0: We did for yeah that, that yeah. stretch between twenty fourteen. Yeah, it was really me?
1: really bad, yeah. and and oh, we got the, through that. Yeah, I and being on through. the front lines of that, and of course, I'm sure you would agree, poverty, lack of education, these kind of things probably bring people into the system.
0: Oh well, yeah, of course. I mean, there's a many what causes crime, and what uh, you know the factors underpinning crime are so complex and mm-hmm. so different, and they and they're so variable that it's really difficult to. I think just in my experience, just reading a lot, seeing a lot, seeing so many different theories of you know, why people commit crime, what causes crime. And so much of it's subject to, to, um, you know, bias or interpretation. because mm-hmm. a lot of people really, they put their own agenda on it, to be that's honest. Right.
1: That's right. And on, you're in a position and and as mayor, you got to kind of balance that with the people that want that law and order. They want that tough approach. You're in law enforcement. Sure. And yet you understand that, you know, that's not always the answer. We always hear we can't arrest our way out yeah. of these type of situations and being on the front lines. Would you agree with that?
0: No, I agree. I, there's certainly limits to a to a tough law and order approach. I think just in my um, experience, you and we've seen massive changes in the criminal justice system over the last. I've been there thirteen and a half years now, mm-hmm. and you've seen an enormous sea change in the in the criminal justice system. I mean, in so many ways, you've seen. Everybody talks right now about you know mass incarceration and this and that, and you, mm-hmm. and you saw an enormous rise in the prison population from roughly the the 1980s to about 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. And then now since then, or in particular since 2010 with, with uh, AB 109 and realignment, mm-hmm. you see kind of an era of mass de-incarceration. Exactly. Going so, in
1: the opposite direction. Yeah,
0: you have roughly right now 70,000 less people in state prison th- now than just 15 years ago. So you've seen that big sea change. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you know, in so many ways that, it's just, it's just interesting being on the inside of it, right? The way the public narrative is versus what's happening and the way those kind of they don't always match up right Mm -hmm. and they lag right so you still kind of the the mass incarceration narrative is still the dominant narrative right but that was you know it's 15 20 years old Mm -hmm. and that's when you know That's when we were locking everybody up. Well, look what we've seen
1: in just the last year with the George Floyd incident. That happened in May. We saw a, a big pushback in the community, even here locally, which really surprised me. And when I hear some of these terms of systemic racism, that grates me a little bit because I know what a systemic is, what a system is. And that means it's all through it. You work in the system. And I would... Hope to think that if you saw something like that, as I have worked in that system, that it would be reported or you would try to ferret it out. And to say that these things are still going on, sure, there's isolated incidents in every organization. But to call it systemic, it really, when you're inside and you see what goes on, it's difficult to kind of see that pushback against our own law enforcement officers, isn't it?
0: It's, I mean, it's such a big conversation and a difficult, all I can speak from is what, you know, I see in front of me. You can speak on what you see nationwide, nationwide statistics, but then also on, you know, what's in front of me and what I see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially, um, that was something when I started, um, I was very, very sensitive to, Mm -hmm. and to be honest, um, just because going through, you know, being educated at, at UCs for seven years of my life, you know, and, and, and just, you know, constantly, that reminder about mm-hmm. you know you have to be uh, and, it, and it's a good thing right it's a good thing that um you have to be fair and equitable And it's something i deeply deeply believe in i in do terms too of, and we should be yeah and as a society if, if we're treating people different on account of race it's a terrible terrible thing the scales and of and justice it, i forget what the lady is but she's sitting up there with a blindfold yes mm-hmm. so blind to
1: color and we see that and again i'm not trying to put you on the spot i just think of some of the incidents that happened while you were running for mayor as a councilman we had this city commission your sure. former mayor uh, got together the who's who, and really, I think the outcome of it was it was that we're in pretty good shape.
0: You know, I think I think so. I mean, I it's hard to say we could always do better,
1: right? And Certainly well, please, of course, there's room for improvement. Always. but to say that we're an abusive department, and I'm specifically talking about the city of Merced, which yeah. comes under your tutelage, we're not an abusive police department. There's been incidents. We heard the Hookah Lounge, and again, I don't want to speak to specifics because there may be litigation going sure. on. But again, there's going to be isolated incidents wherever you are. But to say systemic, I think that commission under D. Tatum, some of the other individuals
0: showed that we're really doing a pretty good job. I think. I mean, they were focused more on studying our policies. Mm-hmm. And their conclusion was that our policies are good and our policies don't really need to be changed too much. You know, after hearing from a number of different... I, I didn't sit in that commission, but I, I read the report. Um, you know, their conclusion was, you know, we're in pretty good shape. But and now it's just a question of... Living up to those ideals, you know, making sure those rules and policies are enforced. Um, I think they came away. My understanding is, you know, they came away impressed with, you know, the, the a lot of the, the policies and procedures in the police department. Mm-hmm. And again, um, you know, I, I see it every day. I mean, I certainly don't. Uh, uh, in the DA's office, we're observers, daily observers of police officers. We work with them on many, many cases. Um, DA's can be contrary to what a lot of people think. DA's are often very, very critical. Of police officers? Oh yes, they are. <laughs> oh, they are, and Big they time. don't
1: prosecute every case. You guys get
0: thousands of cases, and just a very few get prosecuted. I we we turn away probably oh, all told roughly maybe thirty mm-hmm. percent. That's a guess. That's the, a lot if you're yeah. in that thirty percent. Sure. So, you, so get, you get about ten thousand cases a year referred to us. We probably turn away seven. But I think it's it's you know to your point, we fight hard. I know our offices fought hard both under Larry when he was the boss and now under Kim. Mm-hmm. To be fair mm-hmm. and to do to be kind of a middle of the road office. And mm-hmm. I've always appreciated that a lot. You have some places which are really hard line and they want to lock everybody up. Right. This is never this office has never been that way. No. Um, and then also you have offices which are very the, the progressive prosecutors and they're out there, you know, and they're looking to, you know, in a lot of ways in, in their view, rectify certain political or societal and actually
1: sure, injustices that may have happened in the past. Yeah. Let's talk about where we go from here, because there has been some talk about continuing This review of the police, either a a review commission, uh, some sort of a review board. We start getting into dicey ground. And uh, it's one thing to have an opinion, but to have an opinion that, you know, where you can fire and hire any, uh, where should we go from here? Do you think that we should uh, get together a group of citizens, some sort of police advisory board? I'll use that just as a, a, a term.
0: Yeah, I think it's actually something we, we agendized. I agendized at the last meeting of January 4th. And I think it's important. Again, it's it's an item now that our public safety subcommittee is going to start working on. Um, they're going to come back uh, in two months. I think the first meeting in April, they're going to return to us, either with an update or the final recommendation. And then at that point, it'll be up to the full council to um, you know, come up with some policy. My understand. I mean, from what I hear, everybody seemed to think that this is something that was, you know, in so many ways initiated by Mayor Murphy. Councilmember Shelton was involved in it as well. Um, the police advisory committee was, was positive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people came away on both sides, thinking it was a good thing. And just in my experience as well, at thir- you know, 13 plus years in the DA's office, is there's an enormous fundamental value. And I don't want to get into, you know, specifically what, no. what going forward, what's going to look like because it's a pending council item. Um, but I just think there's enormous value at a minimum in the dialogue. And you see that nationwide on so many other issues, just understanding each other, knowing where people are coming from. Right. And that's a big thing. Police and you know and DAs too, we do a, a very poor job. I mean, police do a better job than DAs, but in general, a poor job of communicating you know, the work we do. And
1: Folks, I got to cut him off. It, it goes so quick. 15 minutes is already in the can. We're with Matt Serrato, our mayor, the city of Merced, the new mayor. He's been in the saddle, well, I think just about a month he's agreed to come in i think he's going to stay he's uh, he's on the phone he's with his entourage we'll be back after this quick break i'm just a better yeah. i'm
0: looking
1: for a problem, yeah. someone
0: who knows how to
1: ride yeah. without being found coming just on yeah you know we always let the uh, guests pick the songs here at Citizen Watch, and I asked Matt for a CD. He gave me a cassette, so I rolled it off, and, well, here we are. I better bring his mic in. I don't want to exclude him. You know, with us we have Matt Serrato, the new mayor of Merced. I want to know if Jennifer Levesque still has a job, because at the end of the last council meeting, she was moving to adjourn, and she said, Mayor Murphy, and she corrected herself very quickly. And it was really, uh, it uh, was kind of cute, and she goes, I'm so sorry, I've been thinking all meeting, not to do that, not to do that, because she has to call for the vote, and of course, Matt chairs the meetings. Who's the, uh, who's the pro tem this year? Kevin, Kevin Blake. Kevin Blake, good old Kevin, your buddy. Kevin, they've been on the he council, the I think started together on the council.
0: No, Kevin started before me. I, he started in, what, 2013 or 14? He was, was, he gonna... the, was he the tenured
1: man on the council? Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, so, Matt Serratos moved from the uh, council position, District 5, when you came in, were there districts, or was it open, were you an at-large your first time?
0: The first year of districts. First so. year of districts. Yeah, so it was half at-large and then half districts when I started.
1: So he And then, uh, of course, at-large at the mayor's uh, race, because, boy, if you didn't see that vote total, friends, whoo! Talk about Battleship hitting all, uh, all, uh, just, just amazing, blew everybody else out of the water, wasn't even close. And, of course, in Merced, it's a free-for-all. There's no primary in June or in March now, so it was a... It was an all-out battle, and I'll tell you, some good candidates and Matt Serrato, cream of the crop, rose above. But so many things going on. You know, we talked a little bit about law enforcement in the first segment. Folks know, I'm sure, that Matt works for the district attorney's office over there at the palatial headquarters, the old county bank building. I don't know what floor he's in. I I know they have their own parking structure. It's wonderful. Absolutely (laughs) wonderful over there. A beautiful view of the new El Capitan Hotel. Will you have a suite in the El Capitan? No, oh, I didn't know. No, okay, no. i was just asking. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about law enforcement. Measure C, yes, big thing. A lot of folks talked about putting it on the ballot last time with your candidacy, saying, "Hey, we need to increase this sales tax." Measure C pays for not only police, fire, but a little bit of roads. Correct. What's your opinion on Measure C? Is that something that you you may have to go to the voters under your tenure again? You got 48 months. Yeah,
0: no, you absolutely do. It's something that I mean, if I've mentioned a. a a number of times on the council that we've talked about, you know, over the last few years, is something that, you know, I've pushed as well. Uh, we, we need to extend Measure C. It's that cent sales tax. It was passed initially by the voters in 2006. And when you the, say
1: extend it, how about increasing it?
0: I don't know. It's hard to say. I, most likely not. I think right now, you know, we have 35 police and fire jobs that depend on the funding uh, provided in Measure C. Mm-hmm. Um, our police and firefighters are underpaid. Our police are between 7 and 10 percent underpaid our firefighters are 15 plus percent underpaid. yeah why
1: are we losing them to other agencies folks get a clue it's just like cops you don't think it's go it's fun to go over there and work at uc merced three 12 hour days and you come over here push a patrol car around trust me
0: yeah so go ahead no it's it's a big um it's it's an enormous deal because we have 35 police and fire jobs that depend on it uh there's an enormous demand we had a record number of calls over eleven thousand this year just for our fire service i saw that and then, typically for a police service, many, many more times than that, um, they're busy. There's a, a huge demand across the community for both police and fire services, and we need those. We need those people. We need those employees. Those are jobs, and um, you know it's it's important that um, that so, sales tax measure stay in place because uh, if not, we're going to see a pretty disastrous cuts to public safety.
1: Well, you uh, saw what Atwater did. You know they went for the brass ring plush. You know they wanted to go around all day long. They went for one percent. Yeah. from a half a percent. Really rejected by the voters. You saw what happened on Measure O with the college. Of course, Measure J, Jim. or Measure J. Yeah, Measure it was J. J-O. Well, o was Outwater, J was the college. Excuse me. And again, you saw how that was. And again, Merced College. I mean, we all support Merced College. My dad worked at Merced College. I know you're a well-educated person. You can only sort see of. the benefit of, of having a community college like Merced, responsive to the community. But the people said, hey, time out, man. You know, 40-year, a 40-year bond, And so this Measure C is very important, not only for the personnel, but let's talk about the facilities, because there's got to be somewhere for them to work. And I was surprised as ever to hear about a year ago that we're out of room over here on 16th Street coming into town, the main fire station. And the main police station, well, let's not get started on that. That just needs to be replaced straight up. What's your thoughts about where the main police station should go? Should we keep the station that's there? And what do we do about
0: fire? And, And how do we pay for it? Yeah, police and fire are very different because fire stations, f- firefighters have to respond within minutes. And there's that you know, kind of that golden window where if firefighters can't respond in that certain amount of time. Then all of a sudden, yeah, a lot of people start. There's a lot of bad consequences and people in many ways start dying. So we need fire to respond quickly. So fire has a very different model than police. Fire, obviously, yeah, they have stations stationed all over the mm-hmm. all over the city. Um, typically, those are paid for through um, uh, uh, developer impact fees. Mm-hmm. So we have a decent amount. Uh, right now, set aside for fire stations. We'll be able to build, when the time comes, we'll be able to build a new fire station. Uh, a lot of talk that it's going to be out uh, amongst the new development, the new retail development in that area at Campus Parkway.
1: Mm. Um, oh, really? Now, that's interesting. You're talking about the main station or a new station? A new station. station? a new station. Yeah,
0: there's no talk about moving the main station from 16th Street, but there needs to be a new station out there. Potentially, you know, as we grow to the Northeast as well, um, a new station out that way Mm -hmm. Um, definitely too, and you know a lot of that will come into play with the talk which is coming which will come later this year about potential uc annexation as well
1: well we're going to talk about that let's not tease our listeners but let's stay on the The police station you know we had Rayleigh's, we had the uh, merced sunstar building i think we've sold the properties but we have no site yeah Uh, you know uh, vitelli uh, the uh, chief over there at the uh, college he talked about doing some partnership you know maybe a regional training facility any ideas of where you'd put the main police station?
0: I don't know. I, mean, I think that, honestly, in the nine months I campaigned, I I'd never heard once, as a political issue, right. we need a new police station. Not oh. one person said that. Okay. You know, within the city, you, you get it, because you realize how, how um, and, and seeing other police stations as well, you see how those, the, the, the building certainly needs to be upgraded in and, a and, you know. And, well, so no, we,
1: this brings up a good question. Do you think we need to go down this road or can we massage the facilities we have, maybe add a new nice substation and not look at a full main station? Because as you know, we went through a needs assessment, but we really didn't talk to fire. We maybe talked about a joint use facility. Yeah. So is your thinking that maybe we need to step back from this main police station, to
0: not use that vernacular? I think it needs to be... No, not necessarily. I, you know, I'm pretty... I can say agnostic is this issue. I, I think it's something certainly we've dealt with for the last few years, but I don't have strong feelings one way or another, to be honest. I mean, I think certainly our police officers deserve good facilities, mm-hmm. but to build a new police station for 40 plus million dollars, that at least in my estimation, when you go out as in measure C is the priority. Right. Measure C is jobs. Measure C is police and fire services. The police unions, uh, the chiefs, the fire union, the fire chief all agree. Measure C is the priority, and it's losing it in many ways is an existential threat to public safety mm-hmm. in this community because we 'd have to cut dramatically you know uh, gang units the the dart team that deals with homelessness, all the big things that you really hold back a lot of the crime in this town would have to be curtailed so measure C has in my view right the priority, and then at that point, we have to see what the community appetite is for um, you know, a new police station. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're gonna pass if the if the community would support a bond measure and the community wants that, then there's a separate revenue funding stream for that mm-hmm. that will go to pay it. But if we're talking paying forty or fifty million dollars for a new police station out of the general fund, that's I think that's a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow when that money can be you know. It's, it, it's, it has to make sense financially. And if it doesn't make sense financially, I, I just it, it, it would involve cuts to other obviously I think priority services. But at the same time, you know, we continue to raise money through our developer impact fees. There's a, you know, well, I forget the exact number, but over a million dollars right now in our police fund. Um, And, you know, we need to continue to find a, we can look for grants, we can look for other things, you know, possibly a bond measure and, you know, find a way to be fiscally responsible about this
1: because it's tough as you know the uh, state is throwing a lot back on the counties you see it at the uh, at the da level we talked about seventy thousand prisoners uh, going back to the counties well that's a six less here in merced actually three we've got (laughs) three of the folks that made it under the roof and we can talk about on another show and we have on many about the grand jury report and how the money was used for solar panels and not to spend the money on the bond for sandy mush or downtown jail consistently in the grand jury report. I'm surprised when I read the Los Banos PD, they have their own little jail over there. They just lock them up over there because there's no room at the end at Sandy Mush with the COVID. It's a sight and release. I don't know if you've seen some of these apprehensions out here. Benny, the wonder dog, you know, as long as it's nonviolent, go in peace, my brother. Now, I wouldn't want to have to explain that to the boss where the million dollars in drug money went. But still, it's pretty sad state of affairs. So your theory is let's keep the personnel and the buildings. We need them. But the personnel are the main thing.
0: That's the priority. And I think, what, you know, we dealt with this issue a number of times when, uh, uh, you know, on the on the council, when when Mike was the mayor. I mean, pretty much everybody agreed that that, is, that has to be the priority, you know, for years. Well, yeah. for years, it was kind of like, let's increase to some artificial number of over 100
1: or what it was in the 90s or the 80s. Yeah. And I think what we need is what can we do to take care of business, TCB? How many do we need to shag the calls around town? The facilities, hey, we know, we'd know we love to give you better better facilities, guys, but unless a, a pot full of money comes out of the sky, $40 it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot when you only got a million. So again, I, I get totally where you're going. You talked a little bit about the annexation, and we might as well get into it because there's so many things, and I'm not going to get to all of these things. Big deal. Leapfrog annexation. There's been some special legislation that's come down the pipe. I remember one of the meetings prior when you were in a council, you were asked a direct question by the former mayor. Well, what do you think about annexing the city? You want to anne- or annex the uh, UC into the, into the city? Are you ready to do that? What do you feel now that you are the mayor and we need to figure out a direction? And this kind of ties in with the sewer and water master plan, which we can talk about. That's a huge deal, huge, huge. But let's talk about the leapfrog annexation legislation carried by Adam Gray. I mean, you talk about when something wants to get done in Sacramento, folks, eight months. From february to october and we have the opportunity now to bring in the uc merced first and then surrounding properties second in a series of annexations i need to know what you think
0: hey refer to ab ab 3312 the the bill that adam gray passed we um you know as a city i mean the, the thought a long time ago was that we grow grow out to the uc incorporate the uc bring the uc into the community ucs tend to grow where they um or tend you know i, I Like UCLA, for example, when they built UCLA, they built UCLA out in the middle of nowhere.
1: Mm -hmm. Now Um, look at
0: it. Now look at it, right? And they, uh, so, you know, again, I'm not. I don't have a firm opinion on it yet. We're going to have to do. We and I haven't seen it yet. There has to be a big cost-benefit analysis, and there's a lot of things you know that are that are good about it. A lot of things that uh, might weigh against it. So at this point, again, I don't have strong feelings one way or another, um, and I think we're going to have this discussion uh, probably you know before the sometime this year probably oh i would before say before July first so.
1: because we're running out of inv- inventory as you know there's been a yeah. lot of infill development in the areas that were vacant for decades yeah. and we can't annex uh, that much more land into the city it's my understanding until we have the sewer water master plan done let's move off of annexation we'll probably swing back to that a little bit through this subject sewer water master plan we have a consult consultant Stantec. i find them to be very competent some people disagree with the directions they're headed. How do you feel about our consultant? When are we going to see a final plan? Let's, talk, let's start with those two questions.
0: Yeah, no, they're doing a good job, and they're, they're professional. They, they provide us with a really good work product, I think, and, and with good information on which to base a decision. We've been working towards this for years, right? And we're Oh, not, many years, yeah. ever since and, you've been on. Yes. And, I mean, gradually I think things are you know, more and more with each passing uh, step kind of the long-term vision comes more and more and every time right the council would take uh, a position or move kind of move the ball forward each time you know three yards at a time five yards at a time and i think things are starting to kind of gradually at least the way it was in the last council come more and more and then you add ab 3312 with the leapfraud annexation bill
1: and that kind of throws a wrench in it doesn't it because you were headed in a way and it's like well we know we have to extend the lines from where they are but now if we have to
0: serve this yeah. island it does it makes it easier in a lot of ways because now the um, it's shaping up right where the, where the the path of growth will be roughly between Cardella to the south, Bellevue to the north. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Hillcrest territory that around the lake, around the Country Club, they they don't have any interest really in coming. Most people out there have no interest in coming into the city. There's a lot of uh, other established neighborhoods as well. Um, kind of north of Yosemite, off Dunn, mm-hmm. those areas, they don't have much of an interest as well. Didn't
1: it seem like it in some of the uh, testing meetings, the right. uh, annexation meetings.
0: So we kind of focus on that that corridor, head east towards the UC. Um, there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of property in that, in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the question, the first question is going to be, do we want to utilize AB 3312 mm. to do it? And to your point, I mean, it's, it's a long discussion, but with sewer capacity, you have roughly, again, I forget the exact numbers without having them in front of me. But, yeah, but 3,500 or so um, equivalent dwelling units of sewer capacity right now left in the line. Right. You can play with that number one way or another, just depending on how you, you how you, um, you know, how what formula you use. But with pending annexations, that leaves us with roughly 2,000 to 2,500 equivalent devel- dwelling units existing. So how do we allocate that first mm-hmm. uh, between either the uh, the east side of the city where you start growing? Uh, you know, East of G Street and the territory surrounding the UC. Well,
1: we'll have to end it there for this segment, folks. We'll be right back after these breaks. I know they go quick, don't they? We have Matt Serato in studio with us. Mayor Merced. Stick with us, Citizen Watch, Saturday morning. I'm just a bachelor.
0: I'm looking for a partner. Now watch me whip. Okay. Whip, watch me we'll watch you. Me whip, Kill it. Watch
1: me you okay. got four years. Whip, We're gonna whip, watch you every bit nay-nay. here on Citizen Watch. Be, oh, watch My name is Casey me, Steve, the voice of your me, valley. On Merced's News me, Talk 107.3 oh, FM 1480 AM KYOS. Oh, watch me, watch Special guest oh, in studio, me, Matt Serato. S- E-R-R-A-T-T-O. Right? Did I get that right?
0: Two R's, two T's. Two R's, two T's. You can't miss it. I'll it's tell actually you. the wrong way to spell the name. My family changed it years ago because they got uh, upset with the other side of the family. So, you know, 50 or more than that, probably 100 years ago, old Italian blood flew. they it only one T. Or yeah. One
1: T is the way you're supposed to spell it. Yeah, see, that's what I've seen. You know, yeah. it's like uh, Scotty Silvera over there. He goes, Oh, it's a different way, you know, but yeah. Italian, right? The name's Italian, yeah. Yeah, because over there at the Italian American Lodge, uh, well, I tell you, really sad losing Frank Miratori right before Christmas. You know, we've lost a lot of. Uh, a lot of good folks. Boy, that got me emotional thinking about Frank. But anyway, you're uh, are
0: you the president over there? You're going through the chairs at the El. No, no, not me. i are just, just, just a member. I just go. Yeah, I go there and eat food.
1: Well, we month. used to see each other at lunch. They have a nice lunch at the first uh, the first Tuesday of the month, and and then they have a beautiful dinner. And there's been no fellowship. It's like we were talking about in his election or his campaign run. You couldn't do the normal things, the rubber chicken circuit. You go to the you know the goodwill or the you know the rescue mission fundraiser. You see each other there. Just couldn't do that. Had to do a virtual campaign. And it's uh, even kind of going into the uh, to the current council. They're not even allowing folks in. Everything's virtual. Really brings up these town halls, which uh, I love, Kevin. You know, I have nine. I mean, my God. You know, we had a, you know five, one for each district and blah, 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 blah. And uh, I guess we're going to hear some more about that. I heard from uh, Conway today that there's a couple in February coming up. But again, th- th- there'll be plenty of time to talk about that. Let's stay on this annexation co- uh, slash sewer water master plan and really the growth of Merced and, and kind of talk a little more. Esoteric about the, the concern about two Mercedes because I know that you sit on the downtown subcommittee. Yes. And you're very concerned about downtown. You work downtown, you see downtown, you hear about the people. I get letters all the time from folks. They talk about Merced's downtown districts extends from the railroad track south of 16th Street to the alley north of 20th to the center of G Street, the center of V. As I recall, the district, and it's a double licensing fee district. Mm-hmm. And these folks pay. And now there's been some talk about creating a business zone and taxing the owners of the property as opposed to the businesses now the way this tax is collected now folks is through the businesses the business license fees i believe what is the can you talk a little bit about that and again the concern of tumor says we don't want to have you know special requirements for one and not the other so what would this
0: do for downtown and and again you're you're very involved in downtown yeah you're talking tumor says is in um you know if we grow too fast and too much out towards the uc that's that's one yeah i agree with that 100 percent I, I think our focus needs to be and our focus has been on infill and it needs to continue to be first it needs to continue to be on revitalizing breathing new life into what was once great in this community kind of taking what's old and historic armor said bringing that back to life you know, we're seeing that with the el cap we're seeing that with the exactly time. but look at the
1: money that was put into those structures yeah. and you look at where you work a fully sprinklered modern building i was talking to somebody the other day i was doing a little job the other day putting in a i probably shouldn't say a man needed a permit and i am licensed but this guy was telling me he had to put a new air conditioner on his house had to pull a permit yeah had to have title 24 they came in they tested all the ducks i mean it's getting
0: onerous so some of these buildings that are downtown yeah. really need a lot of love no, it's true you see that yeah that's a big reason why a lot of them uh you know don't have the activity that they should um with yeah, the, the question about one yeah, I, I agree. I think the the um, infill needs to be the focus. Rev- revitalization has to be the focus. There's a lot of opportunity for that, um, and kind of bringing, breathing new life and bringing back to life what was once great about this community. And there's a lot there that that we really can do. Um, second, with the new downtown proposal, every most downtowns, <clears throat> excuse me, have a, some sort of downtown association. Right now, we have the Main Street Association. Mm-hmm. Um, in our research, studying a lot of other downtowns. Um, great downtowns have great downtown associations um, there's three big things three big steps for downtown revitalization general there's attracting big private investment development we've done that the city has to invest significantly and the city has to put you know its money up there and, and do things when it comes to street improvements landscaping improvements mm-hmm. parklets public spaces those sort of things right so we're moving towards that right now uh, and then third there has to be a great downtown association that manages it, keeps it running at a high level, and then continues to build on it and takes it to the next level, next level, next level. So that's kind of broadly speaking our plan. There are min- a million different little subcomponents to each one. Um,
1: well, let's, let's talk about the investment, the private investment. What happened at the El Capitan in Tioga was just wonderful, especially when you think about some of the problems that happened on the El Cap, getting it to where it is now. Do you see more of
0: that private money coming in now that we kind of have that seed uh, planted? Yeah, I think obviously private money is um, is you know, private investment is interested in in, um, in, making money, you know, where they can do business and do business well. Mm-hmm. And the more we, downtown continues to improve, um, plus, you know, the more traffic we can get down there. And then we have, you know, for example, we're starting very, at the very beginning levels of, um, I think was a promising campaign to really market Merced better as the gateway to Yosemite and capture more of the Yosemite tourism traffic. Um, you know, just 1% of that if we can get 1% more of that, that's forty to 50,000 more people a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to do that or get that. That's just an example of how just a small, tiny fraction more of that traffic, um, which I think we can. Really. Oh, I think
1: we can, too. You and I just, are on the same page with tourism. We're on the same page with promoting downtown. I uh, saw a thread that you had posted about the renaming of the airport yeah. and what people have suggestions. It comes uh, – I have this – list of proposed city slogans from October 11th of 2017 (laughs) because we were going through maybe some new things to call ourselves. Number one was a place of vision. Some of the ones that caught my mind, small town, big dreams. There are no strangers here, just friends we haven't met. Abundant sunshine and and smiles. California (laughs) Agricultured cities, Joaquin Hart. Uh, love love for all, hatred for none. I love that one. <laughs> but here's the point. Gateway to Yosemite. Winner, yeah. winner, chicken dinner. And it's, I really like that. And yeah. we saw, I saw a thread, a post of a gentleman that does uh, hiking uh, tours up there in the park. And he says, you know, people don't realize that yes. when they stay in Oakhurst, they stay in Sonora, they stay in Fresno, they still got a heck of a drive to get to Yosemite. Here, we have the all-weather highway, a straight shot for a good 20 miles. Never really snows in. Seven million visitors a year, Mayor. Seven
0: million, yes. And like you say, if we could just capture a tiny percentage, how do how do we get there? Yeah, I think the, um, you know, the renaming of the airport is sort of our first step in a lot of ways. We've been fighting for that for a while. You know, if we get to, um, what's it called now, McCready Field? Yeah, McCready Field, Merced McCready Field, Merced Airport. Yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah, Merced McCready Field. So that's you look at. This is nothing new. Tons of other places have done this, uh, and there, you know, I'm not saying this is the reason why their airports boom so much or their cities boom so much, but it's been in conjunction with other initiatives and every airport i looked at that did this fresno even people don't think about fresno but fresno airports had undergone enormous mm-hmm. expansion they just landed uh, southwest for example yeah. um bozeman montana added yellowstone mm-hmm. in 2011 they've seen enormous growth since then um and savannah georgia i mean a big tourist attraction as well um added hilton head island uh in south carolina to their name and that Again, they've seen enormous growth. So, to me, that's the first step, kind of a rebrand. Uh, We were fortunate enough through the Federal uh, CARES Act to get $3 million to help upgrade our airport. Mm -hmm. So, that's in conjunction with the upgrade. Mm -hmm. And then that post you saw, you know, that you... you, Yeah, the gentleman that is the uh, tour guide up in Yosemite, he's like, why aren't we promoting Merced? How close we are. Yeah. And that's, that's the looking at it and it begin to take a while to get into everything but it's 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 everything right it's downtown mm-hmm. it's transportation mm-hmm. it's transportation tumor set from the trains from planes automobiles as well we could build a big you know potentially if 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 federal traffic if, if traffic congestion is too big of a federal issue in Yosemite a park and a park and ride lot here stay here take Yards buses oh no Yards you know, is such a that's why i bring it up Yards just a lot of things buy a plane ticket mm-hmm. be in la uh, and you have you can Buy, you know, As a proposal, you buy a plane ticket, fly the plane, and then in conjunction with your plane ticket, you also get a yard ticket. Right. So that bus is waiting for you when you get off the plane, and you're up to it. I so agree. It, you there's know, a lot our, of potential. There. There's a lot of potential.
1: Our airports have been uh, both uh, you know, Castle out there, uh, the county airport, and, of course, they've made a great investment into their terminal out there. It almost looks like a real airport. You know, Ours is uh, kind of like a micro version, but, again, it's getting the people to come through this town, getting uh, tourist agents, uh, travel agents. I don't even know if they have those anymore. Well, downtown, as you know, uh, some people uh, are, are concerned about this tax. Uh, if it goes on the property owners and they're renting, they feel it'll be passed along. Yeah. What do you see this money being used for differently now than, say, the double business tax? In other words, what services do you think the business owners downtown should expect to see, or more of a promotional thing, more of yeah. promoting Merced? What do you
0: yeah. No, with that, it's specifically related to downtown services. So, you t- again, you, you mentioned it earlier. I didn't I didn't explain it. But the PBID, Property-Based Improvement District. Right. So it's a business improvement district, mm-hmm. property tax-based. Um, a lot of downtowns have done this with great success. Mm-hmm. It gets the property owners into the game more. And I think, right. I think we need that here. We need our do? property owners to have more skin in the game and to be involved more in downtown. We, we lack that right now. Right now, it's the business owners with the Main Street Association kind of involved. We need a combination of both coming together. Um, right now, their funding is such that they focus on Events, uh, facade improvements, some other things, other smaller grants. They don't have; they're not well funded enough to really make a difference when it comes to um, security, right? right? Which is parking and security are probably the two biggest issues.
1: Well, downtown. let's talk. Let's talk. And again, we're going to go freewheeling now because we only got three minutes left. Let's go. So, uh, parking and security. You want to change the direction of downtown of the main street?
0: Yes, I think downtown. I think main street from again, we have to look more closely at it. But I think look again, looking at other downtowns, main street from Martin Luther King to n if it's one way with diagonal the the big thing is not the direction of traffic the big win is diagonal parking which Mm -hmm. gives you twice as much so we're talking basically one lane down main because the diagonal will really encroach out correct you just don't have the space if you if if to have two lanes you would have to rip out enough infrastructure so it'd be a a multi-million dollar improvement and you just just don't want to do that okay let's move on while we're talking downtown letting the restaurants
1: encroach out into the parking areas uh, the parklets i think you called them certain things like that we need to make some zone
0: changes that's my understanding I think we've done that already in terms of in terms of some of the relief. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's one, and that's another thing too with, with the, you know, with the diagonal parking. It allows does three things: much, much more parking, probably twice as much in many instances, which is a huge issue downtown. Um, second, slows everything down. Mm-hmm. You know, when we started our downtown subcommittee. Kevin Blake said we got to one when it was traffic too fast downtown everything's too fast mm-hmm. everything's too fast and we got to slow it down more pedestrian more hometown slower downtown it's fast because the streets are fast people drive fast when they have big boulevards to drive on that's the problem Downtown's way too fast it needs well, to slow down
1: well and one and again i don't mean to interrupt but there's things coming to mind you mentioned that uh, one of the things the business owners didn't feel safe uh you know they want to park in front of their stores because yeah. parking in the lots so safety let's talk about let's really bring it in homeless downtown yeah. What do you what do you think? The navigation centers, what Bruce
0: is doing, is that going to take some of the pressure off these business owners, do you think? I hope so. It it has to. I mean, it's on us to make sure it does, because we've been a beneficiary over the last couple of years, you know, and and again, the previous mayor was very involved in a lot of this too, and getting these projects been an immense amount of work done in homelessness last year. But it's been in the funding, planning, now the building phase we're not quite operational yet but once this navigation center's up once some of the other things are up as well you know it's incumbent upon all of us to come together and really build a first rate kind of homeless management infrastructure and make sure those facilities are used taken advantage of and make sure they benefit the community like they're supposed to so so yeah i hope so but i don't think it's it's not just put it there and it magically makes everything better it's put it there and then we need to work to make sure everything you know Everything works better, and it's we're dealt a tough hand because state homelessness has gone up 25 no, percent over the last decade. Well, I, I think we're looking for
1: volunteers for the point in time count. I'm thinking about <laughs> going out there. It's awful early, but you know we're out of I'll time, see folks. We're, we're you know we, maybe we will. We're out of time, and I want to give Matt the final word. You can people how to get a hold of you. Anything you want to say to the listeners? We're going to have him in again. He sees how quick an hour goes, and I have many more things I'd love to talk to you about. But he has an appointment, know. and he's he stayed here a half hour longer than he wanted to. Than he, than he gave me and he's been very nice so what would you like to say to the listeners
0: no I just appreciate your time Casey and uh, thanks for we're going to work hard I, I think you know our, our idea is to make this town better and we're just looking to you know to work hard to commit to this and I just you know I personally love this work and I love the opportunity to um, uh, you know to work to help make the city better it's what I'm what I'm passionate about, and it's it's fun, you know, sitting here having these conversations, and
1: uh, yeah, just there, excited there, to get there, to work. There's no easy answers. No. but it's fun to talk about them. It's fun to uh, kind of talk about where the city's going. There is so much uh, pride, really, for those of us that understand what's going on here, Matt. You, you made a comment, something that we have so many good things here that people really don't see all of the good things we have to offer, and it's just it's just kind of
0: opening the eyes. And it's a lot of that. No, there's a lot to appreciate in Merced that I think Merced's underappreciated, and we need to do better. And I think. You you know, you start making some improvements and changing the tone and I think you'll start to really see people, you know, embrace and appreciate this town more.
1: Well, you've definitely changed the tone just in the last month. The the Facebook post, the social media yeah. presence. And I and I know people comment, you know, as people do, well what about this and <laughs> this didn't work out and you always respond. You don't run away, you don't just put out a post and, and back off. You try to help out, and that's very, very important.
0: No, you do. I mean, there's, at one point, there's just there's not enough hours in the day to respond to everything, So, but you pick your spots, yeah. you know, respond to those, give people respect. You know, and, and oftentimes we're putting out those posts and to, to see what people think, and we want their engagement. I want to inform and you know, educate them as to what I'm doing, what we're doing, but also at the same time, We want their input. We want to know what they're saying. He
1: personally helped me redeem my gift card today, (laughs) folks. It's great. I got my twenty-five bucks. I'm going to go out to eat after this. Hey, we're with Matt Sorato, or we're out of time. Thank you, Casey. All right, we'll see you later, folks.